The Apostle Paul gives us this encouragement. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Joe and Sharon had recently retired. They were planning on spending their time traveling, spoiling their grandkids, and spending time together. That all changed when Joe had a heart attack and died. It's been several months since Joe's death, and Sharon feels lonely, lost. She keeps looking at Joe's empty easy chair. She keeps setting a place for him at the table. Now there's no one to help fix the leaky faucet or open stuck jars or kill spiders in the house. They used to each wear Santa's hats when they were putting up the Christmas decorations. Joe would pretend he was Bing Crosby and croon the Christmas carols. But now Sharon really has no interest in lights or decorations or singing. She waits until the kids and the grandkids come over to help set up the Christmas decorations. They never watched much TV, but Joe would cuddle with Sharon when she wanted to watch her cheesy Hallmark movies. They would hold hands wherever they went. They would smooch to gross out the kids and then later on to gross out the grandkids. But now there is no one to cuddle or hold hands or to smooch with. Sharon's friends encourage her to keep active, to become involved in the quilting club at her church, to play pickleball, and even start dating. But she has no interest in pickleball or quilting, and especially in dating. She is hurting, aching, grieving, mourning. Sharon and Joe are not a real couple. But their story is very real because their story is the story I've heard from you over the years. In the Old Testament lesson from Isaiah chapter 61, the Lord's prophet gives comfort to grieving people. He is speaking specifically to the children of Israel as they are going to be returning from their seven years of Babylonian exile. And they are going to be mourning, mourning the loss of family, God's people, the destruction of Jerusalem, God's city, the demolition of the temple, God's house. Isaiah's words give physical comfort, spiritual comfort, and also emotional comfort. When someone close to us, like a spouse dies, there is pain. Now, I don't think that Pain in and of itself is the result of sin because Jesus was without sin and he felt pain. And so I think that if Adam, in the perfection of Eden, if he would have stepped on an acorn with his bare foot, he would have felt pain. Maybe not the same kind of pain we might feel when we step with a bare foot on the landmine of a Lego, but pretty close. But the pain we feel in our hearts, minds, and bodies at the loss of someone robbed from us because of death, that is directly the product of sin. God did not create us to die. It, God did not create us to die, but to live. Death is God's curse upon the children of Adam and Eve because of our first parents' first sin in the perfection of Eden. 
dying exists as God's punishment for human evil and rebellion. It is not nice nor natural. It is God's curse upon the sinner. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. Death is the clearest expression of God's hatred over sin. St. Paul warns, wages of sin is death. And because we all sin, we will all experience the pain of death. There will first be the emotional pain when our loved one is taken from us. And then we will feel the physical result of pain of our own death. And many times when someone dies, we want to blame God. But it is death that is the enemy. It is death that rips apart the family and leaves a hole. And whether it is suddenly or slowly, whether it is a spouse, child, sibling, or parent, it doesn't matter, does it? The pain is great. The brokenness is absolute. The hurting is unbearable. What God has joined together, death has torn apart. So here today that Jesus comes to comfort all those who grieve. He comes to comfort us in our grief over death in this life. And then he comes to also remove the curse of death so that we have no fear of death in the life to come. The Messiah says in Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the Messiah, the Son of God, speaking through his prophet 700 years before the Messiah takes on flesh in the womb of the virgin. When Jesus preached in the Nazareth synagogue, he read from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He turned to this section and after he read, he rolled it back up and said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Messiah continues, The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the afflicted. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism for his messianic work of bringing comfort to those who are grieving. When I asked widows and widowers, what helps them in their grief? They all answer the same thing. That what helps them is God's word and God's people. And then they also admitted that they don't know how someone who is not a Christian can get through their grief without God. Jesus gives us the good news. He gives good news specifically here in this text to the afflicted Christian who has lost their Christian spouse knowing that that Christian spouse was baptized in Jesus' name, believed in Jesus as their Savior, and is now a white-robed saint around the throne of Jesus. That is good news. That's the best news there is. The Messiah continues with his job description. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. When your spouse dies, it feels like you are shattered glass. Jesus came to unbreak the broken. Little by little, he pieces you back together again. It may be a little while. It may take a long time. But he glues you back together again. And the glue he uses is his dying and divine love for you, as well as his dying and divine love that he has for your spouse. 
He says, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God. Jesus preaches freedom, but he does much more than just preach about freedom. He actually won that freedom. And now you are fully and eternally free from all punishment of your sins. Jesus signed the papers for your freedom with his own blood. He placed the seal on those papers when he broke the seal on his resurrection tomb. He has broken you free from the shackles of your sin. He has restored you from the guilt that imprisoned you. He has freed you from the nightmare that haunts you. Unbelievers are haunted by the dreams of their death. We don't have to have those dreams haunting us because we know that because Jesus lives, we will live too. Now the Messiah bandages your broken heart with the soothing message of your forgiveness. He releases captives bound in the hopeless dungeon of your despair. He breaks the bondage of Satan's controlling influence over your life. He brings resurrection comfort for those who mourn over their Christian loved ones. He comes and he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the Lord's vengeance. The year of the Lord's favor is referring to the year of jubilee that every 50 years the, the Israelites were to celebrate, the, the, they were to set free those who were slaves. They were to let go the debtors and they were to return and he bought land back to the previous owners. That'd be pretty exciting every 50 years if this rolled around that if you were slave, slave, you were set free. You were let go of your debt and your property that had been sold was now returning to the family line. But even more than that, there is greater excitement for all who were once spiritual slaves and debtors to sin that had enslaved us and held us down. You may not feel very jubilant while you are mourning but when Jesus returns we'll have no choice but to rejoice and be jubilant and in contrast to this good news about the year of the Lord's favor then God will come with his day of vengeance this day is judgment day and on that day we who are Lord willing still believers on that last day will hear Jesus say to those on his right Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The unbelievers on his left will also hear him say to them, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, which is prepared for the devil and his angels. And then the Lord sets up a series of contrasts between those who rejoice and those who mourn. He has sent me to provide for those who mourn in Zion to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a cloak of praise instead of a faint spirit, so that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his beauty. On the one side, we will experience mourning, grieving, ashes, and despair. On the other side, we will find comfort, a crown of beauty, the oil of gladness, and a garment of praise. What's interesting in this text is that it is the Messiah that is speaking about his ministry in verses 1 through 3. 
But then the speaker changes in verses 10 and 11. Then the speaker becomes the one who receives the benefit of the Messiah's ministry. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God. For he has clothed me in garments of salvation with the robe of righteousness he covered me. Like a bridegroom who wears a beautiful headdress like a priest. And like a bride who adorns herself with her jewelry. For as the earth produces its growth, and as a garden causes what has been sown to sprout up, so God the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up in the presence of all the nations. When you are mourning, it may feel difficult to get out of bed, get in the shower, and then get dressed. And when you feel like that, I want you to imagine your wedding day, to think back to the bride looking beautiful in her wedding dress and the groom looking cool in his tuxedo, especially if he had one of those cool cummerbunds and then that shirt with all the ruffles on it. The Messiah motivates you to move out of your bed as he showers you daily with baptismal waters. He then gets you up and he gets you moving as he gets you dressed in his garment of salvation. He clothes you with the white robe of his righteousness. The Messiah gives you this makeover free of charge. Now it's free to us, but it came at great cost to him. In order to put a crown of glory on your head, he had a crown of thorns pushed into his skull in order to give you that garment of salvation, that white robe of righteousness. He was scourged and hit. He had a purple robe placed over his shoulders. He was stripped of his garment, stripped of his dignity, and nailed to a cross. All so that you and your Christian family can stand before the Lord in beauty and glory. And know this. People notice when your mourning is replaced with joy. They notice when your despair is replaced with confidence. They notice when you and your Christian spouse are facing death without fear because they can see that you have a resurrection faith. They see that the Messiah is comforting those who mourn. We're all broken. We are broken by our sin and we are living in a broken world. And you have permission to feel broken. It's okay to feel trapped by your emotions. You don't have to fake happiness. But know this, that the Messiah binds up the brokenhearted. He comforts those who mourn. You find real comfort in your real mourning from your very real Messiah. Amen.